the painter Gino Perine lived in the port city of Trieste before and during the rise of Italian fascism. Born Jewish, he converted to Catholicism. When Nazi Germany occupied Trieste, Perrine was arrested and deported to a concentration camp in Germany, where he died. In this series, we encounter a life full of nuance and complications during the upheavals of the early 20th century. Episode 2, Trieste and the Rise of Italian Fascism The Adriatic is blue and silent, not a breath of wind stirring. Across the bay, a small white castle stands, and the hills around are harsh. The sun blazes, but not radiantly. A desolatory tug crosses the harbor. A train clanks somewhere. A small steamer belches smoke. A band plays in the distance, and somebody whistles a snatch of Puccini. Or is that me? The heavily pompous buildings that line the shore, spiked and pinnacled with symbolisms, seem to be deserted, as in siesta, and on the quay's edge a solitary angel sits hunched and motionless over a float that never bobs. Flags are listless. A tram waits for passengers. This is a beautiful description of the port city of Trieste. Who wrote it? It was written by Jan Morris, a Welsh author, in her book Trieste and the Meaning of Nowhere. It is a beautiful meditation on the layered history of this city. A city that was a thriving Habsburg seaport at the time of Gino Perrine's birth in 1876. And also the location for one of Mussolini's most famous fascist speeches in 1938. And where Italy built its sole crematorium during the Holocaust to burn the corpses of prisoners. When we began exploring Perrine's life in Trieste, we had only vague ideas about this city. We didn't even realize that before World War I, it wasn't even part of Italy. During the 19th century, it was a thriving Austro-Hungarian port and the empire's only coastal province. Jan Morris describes the city at this time as multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-faith, bound together by imperial discipline. Foreigners flocked to Trieste to seek their fortunes. Among those who arrived after the 1850s was Lodovico Polak, a German-speaking Ashkenazi Jew whose brother ran a shipping company in the city. The Polak soon became distinguished members of Trieste's bourgeoisie. They sent their sons to German-speaking schools, hoping they would carry on the family business. But in 1892, it became clear that young Fritz, as Gino Perrine was then known, was a talented artist. Gino began to study with a local Jewish master. The local paper already praised him for his aptitude for drawing and painting. A couple of years later, Gino joined some of his family members who had moved to the Swiss city of Lugano. And in 1895, when he was 19, he began his studies at the Munich Academy of Art. And in Munich, he met and married Ella Aller, an American Catholic from St. Louis, who was also studying art. To marry Ella, Gino converted to Catholicism on June 11, 1898 according to his baptismal certificate, in Munich's Capuchin Convent of St. Anthony. Divorce followed in 1906, but Perrine remained Catholic. He left Munich in 1914, just before the outbreak of World War I, and returned to Trieste, the city of his birth. Between 1920 and 1938, Perrine made his living in Trieste as a successful artist and teacher. He exhibited widely all over Europe and even in the United States. His skills as a portrait painter landed him, in 1930, the commission to paint the portraits of Italy's king and queen. King Vittorio Emmanuel III and his wife, Queen Elena of Montenegro. He painted them when fascism was already on the rise in Italy. Fascism and a king and queen? Did they support Mussolini? Let's look back. 
following World War I, Italy suffered from an economic depression that led to the rise of political instability and extremism. Because of this instability, the fascist party and its leader Benito Mussolini saw an opportunity to seize power. In October 1922, Mussolini announced a march on Rome, Italy's capital. King Victorio Emmanuel III could have quashed the coup easily with the military, but instead he appointed Mussolini as prime minister. The king claimed that he was trying to prevent a civil war. As a result, the king did nothing to stop Mussolini's power from growing. With Mussolini in power, what happened years later when World War II broke out? Well, Mussolini eventually wanted to back Germany during World War II. At first, King Vittorio Emmanuel III blocked him, but in June 1940, he gave Mussolini permission to enter the war on the side of Nazi Germany. But he did block Mussolini from gaining supreme command of the military. Mussolini still maintained operational command of the military, however. The king regarded Mussolini as a strong man who would end the political turmoil and impose order in Italy. He did, however, disapprove of some of Mussolini's measures. The same measures that would eventually destroy Italy's Jewish population. Trieste always had a thriving Jewish population. Jan Morris, in fact, writes that Jews and Trieste go together and the long and fruitful association of the two has made the city what it is. Its magnificent synagogue was placed in the heart of the city. As members of the social elite, Jewish citizens contributed to Trieste's artistic and intellectual reputation. In 1931, the city had about 5,000 Jews. Before the outbreak of World War II, Trieste helped Central European Jews escape persecution. A committee facilitated immigration to Palestine and the United States. The city became known as the Port of Zion. Albert Einstein was among those who traveled to safety through Trieste. Most of Trieste's Jewish citizens, however, remained in their beloved city. The new fascist government in Rome did not seem to trouble them much. They could not see, or perhaps did not want, to see what was politically happening to Italy in the 1930s. A few years later, Italian fascism took a radical turn and aligned itself militarily and with the racial ideologies of Nazi Germany. A Rome-Berlin axis was established. Which solidified a shared fascist goal of creating an Aryan racial state and empire. With Germany's backing, Italy broadened its colonial empire around the world. In China, Ethiopia, Libya, Somalia, and Eritrea. Then, in 1938, Italy's fascist ideology took an anti-Semitic turn by mixing religion and race. And it was Benito Mussolini who proclaimed it when he traveled to Trieste in 1938. The 1938 racial laws barred Jews from law, medicine, architecture, journalism, and engineering, unless they catered to a Jewish clientele. Jews were prohibited from public and military service and could not attend public schools, nor could they marry any longer Italian non-Jews or become a member of the fascist party. And where were these laws first announced? In Mussolini's fiery speech in Trieste's main public square. Thousands of locals, Triestines, packed the Piazza di Unita. They listened and cheered when Mussolini characterized Judaism as an irreconcilable enemy of fascism.
obbedito a imitazioni o peggio a suggestioni sono dei poveri deficienti Mussolini highlighted the difference between Italian Jews and foreign Jews. Italian Jews were given preferential treatment because one of Mussolini's goals was to foster Italian nationalism and pride. Foreign Jews, especially Zionists, on the other hand, were considered obstacles to fascist goals. During World War II, anti-Semitism grew stronger. Foreign Jews were barred from entry into Italy or were confined to ghettos and camps, mostly in southern Italy. Between 1940 and 1942, many were arrested, their business license revoked, or they were conscripted into forced labor. But in Trieste, anti-Jewish attitudes remained ambivalent, at least initially. Then, fascist vigilantes damaged Jewish properties in Trieste and repeatedly vandalized the main synagogue. On September 8, 1943, the unthinkable happened. Italy switched sides in the war. It broke the treaty with Nazi Germany and signed an agreement with the Allies, the so-called Armistice of Cassibile. Hitler felt betrayed and immediately sent troops to the German-occupied parts of Italy. By September, Italy was divided. In the Northeast, everything was under German control. And Southern Italy was under Anglo-American occupation. The rest became part of the Italian Social Republic, the reincarnated remnant of the fascist state. Mussolini headed this social republic and introduced more anti-Semitic measures. And this is when the Holocaust officially reached Italy. By November 1943, all Jews were ordered to be arrested and sent to concentration camps. Some Triestine Jews were able to escape, others went into hiding. Most were eventually deported. Up to this point, Gino Perin's career did not seem to suffer much in Trieste. He had even been part of fascist-sponsored exhibitions. In 1937, his portrait of a woman won the Premio del Duce, or Mussolini Prize. And for his 1930 portraits of the Italian king and queen, now in the collection of Trieste's Miramare Castle, he received the king's highest honor, the Knight's Cross of the Order of the Crown of Italy. But after November 1943, Perin was also targeted. With two Jewish parents, his conversion to Catholicism no longer protected him. Under German occupation and ruled by Mussolini's racial laws, Perin, the cosmopolitan Triestine, was reduced to his Jewish race. That he had painted King Vittorio Emmanuel III and his wife just over a decade earlier no longer mattered. He was no longer protected. 